0: This is Brand Story, a podcast featuring in-depth conversations with leaders, marketers, and brand storytellers about their professional journey and the impact they're making on the world around them. Welcome to the Brand Story podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gilman. And today we're doing one of our special Brand Story break room episodes with my co-host, Lindsay Lachlan. Hi, Lindsay.
1: Hey, Steve. How are you?
0: I'm great. This is fun. I always love when we get to do these. They're short, they're fun, and uh, what are we doing today
1: so today we actually have a collection of audience questions that came in uh, so we are going to just kind of toss them back and forth and answer some things that people have been wanting to know
0: great i love that we're, we're doing this completely cold i just brought up the questions and i'm looking at them so how about i ask you the first one since i haven't had a chance to think about this <laughs> Thanks, think that seems fair right <laughs> sure okay great um so question one as different social media platforms evolve come in and out of favor how should marketers approach their social presence and decide which platforms to participate in? We get asked this a lot.
1: Yeah, this is a great question. Um, I think it's really easy to see a new platform launch and think that you need to be there right away, especially as it's getting a lot of buzz and everyone's talking about it. Um, But really, whether you have a marketing team of 50 people or a marketing team of one, you only have so much time in the day and so many resources. So you really have to be careful about where you put your energy. Um, so I think it's really important to not just jump on every new platform that launches, um, but really think about where your audience is, where can you engage with them? Where are they spending their time? Um, and what platforms are best suited for your team and your brand, right? So some that are maybe like TikTok very heavily, um, lean towards video, you might not be able to consistently produce content for that. So. Just thinking about where your audience is and, and where you can best connect with and, and engage with them, I think is what's most important.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's a a lot of times people rush into social platforms without thinking about what their strategy for the platform is. So then what they end up doing is just putting all the same content on all, this, all the platforms. And I don't really think that does a whole lot of good for a brand. You know, your content and the way you behave on Facebook is going to be really different than what you would do on TikTok. And, you know, maybe you could have some community groups on Facebook. Maybe you can offer some kind of value uh, to your audience on TikTok. You're going to be have to, like you said, it's going to have to be video, but you're going to have to have a reason, a really good reason to be there and a really clear value that you're adding to the conversation. So I think it's less about participation, like, oh, I've got to get out there and participate in these social platforms or I'm going to miss out and more about really asking yourself how does my brand add value in this channel and i think that like i've seen again and again a lot of participation and very little like reflection on what you're adding to a conversation or how you're gonna you know not only engage with consumers but how do you help them via a social platform right yeah so yeah it's a great question though because i think i've I've seen so many brands just jump in and all of a sudden they're on five social platforms and they can't maintain them all, but they kind of feel like they have to. Right. So you get this sort of like very lame, very wide presence.
1: So for this next one, Steve, um, people are curious, what are some ways that marketers can distinguish their brand's voice and personality?
0: Well, I, it's a great question, you know, and I think people struggle with that. Um, first, I think first and foremost is stop trying to be all things to all people. You know, if if you don't know who you are and you don't know, and I mean as a brand, like what do you stand for? What's your why? And from that, have you made any decisions about what your personality and tone of voice really even are? Or are you just trying to please everyone and get along with everyone? Because that I don't think, I, a lot of brands do it, you know? They just want to, and what you end up with is, is this very vanilla, very corporate sounding presence that doesn't engage. And I think that's become more and more important over the past several years because brands need to sound more human, not less human. And corporate speak, I think, really is a turnoff for consumers. So when you think about brands that do this well, the Patagonias of the world or you know, even Apple, they have a tone of voice and a personality that is clear and because they know who they are and they know the position they're speaking from. So I think a lot of times to be able to distinguish your brand's voice and its personality comes down to having done the work, deciding who you really are and what you care about.
1: Yeah, I think so often brands look at their industry and they think, oh, I'm in, you know, healthcare or finance or an industry where everything is kind of higher stakes. And so they think their personality has to, you know, kind of align with that, or that they need to do the opposite to stand out um, from the competition. Um, and I, I think you made a really great point about, it's just about being human. You know, Think about what adjectives you would use to describe your brand personality if it were a person. Um, and then as you're looking at your brand voice and tone and um, creative designs and everything, how can you represent that in everything that you do? It's okay to use contractions when you write copy. Um, it doesn't have to be formal, but I, I think, you know, if, if you think about it as a pendulum or a scale, it doesn't have to be all the way at one end or another. You need to find kind of where you fit, um, kind of on that scale.
0: I agree. And I think when messaging is going out, you know, you have to trust the marketers. And establish guidelines and all all the things you make sure that your brand messaging and marketing messages are safe, and are on brand. But you know when you start start writing copy by committee, or having too many people look at copy, it's going to come out like it came out from a committee, and no one's going to respond to it. So making sure you get the human in your messaging and your brand voice, I think, is very important. You know, so asking yourself my brand is what kind of person and how does that kind of person relate to the world? What do they care about? What are they passionate about? You know, what are they against? And all those things I think really matter and help you form your voice and personality.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. I like this question. Um, let me get, ask you this one. This is cool. So what piece of advice would you give small businesses that are trying to jumpstart or refresh their brand or their marketing efforts and they might not have the resources of a bigger team?
1: It's a great question. Yeah, isn't it? Um, and I feel like we get a lot of small businesses, you know, connecting with us on social and engaging with us on LinkedIn and things like that. And I think it really comes down to knowing who your audience is, knowing what you're good at and the value live, that you deliver to them, and then what your capacity it is, What your capacity is. A lot of the small businesses that we talk to, it might be one person doing everything, running the business and marketing, or they might have a marketing person, Um, and so I think being realistic about what you're able to do and making sure that, you know, you're not trying to use marketing to hide up a customer service issue that your business has or something like that. It all needs to be very, very honest and authentic, but putting the time and energy into where your people are, um, and where you can connect with them. So as a small business, we see a lot of small businesses that utilize, um, social media and have active followings on social and they put their time into, you know, connecting with people there, um, getting involved with, you know, if you're a a small downtown business or, um, you know, that, that might have a, a business organization or your chamber of commerce, a lot of times there's opportunities there to connect with other businesses and to partner on activities where they try to bring people, you know, to your town or things like that and get them out shopping. And, um, so I think just looking for those opportunities to really embrace who you are as a business, um, and then connect with your audience.
0: Yeah. And I'd say, you know, if you're trying to refresh your brand or you're trying to jumpstart your marketing, well, I think one of the biggest things for a small business is to, I think it's easy to lose your perspective. So I think, you know, if you don't fall in love with your product or your services and just think they're the best and all you do is talk about you and the cool thing you do, I think what you really have to do is you really want to refresh something. You have to take it from a different perspective. And I think that perspective is what problem are you solving for people? How do you help them? You know? Because I think what happens is it's really easy in a small business because you love what you do, hopefully. You care about it. So you're probably going to be a broken record, (laughs) you know. So try not talking about yourself and try talking and telling stories from your audience's point of view and see what happens. Because I I think when brands do that, great things happen.
1: Absolutely. And that's a great point.
0: Yeah. This is fun. We got another one?
1: Yeah. So our next question from the audience is what's a common challenge that you see in the industry and how would you approach it? Oh, wow. I think our audience had their coffee.
0: Yeah, I think so too. These are good (laughs) questions. Oh man, a problem in the industry, I got to say is proof point overload, you know, just, just beating consumers over the head with your benefits and features and value proposition, you know, like I think that is a problem in the industry where we forget how people buy, you know, and we think we're going to convince them with our features and benefits. And then we just hammer them with proof points. You know, you and I've said it a bunch. I think it's come up on this podcast, a whole bunch, but man, I could just say this over and over and over again. Everyone buys emotionally. They do not buy logically. So if you're selling with logic first, it's not going to work. Or at least if it does work, it's not going to work as well. So, I think that's a big problem in the industry. You would think it wouldn't be because I'm not, what I'm saying isn't exactly groundbreaking, but it really is a problem. I'm not sure why.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good one.
0: Yeah. So, what do you think?
1: I think something that our industry sometimes misses is I feel like there's so much emphasis put into trying to get in front of people when they're in kind of the decision making phase, kind of right before, you know, time of purchase but then there's not a whole lot of attention given to the time period leading up to that. So it kind of inspiring that whole consumer journey to begin with and then after the purchase, you know, nurturing them as a customer and creating a loyalty loop with them. I think we're so set on how can we show that, you know, the ROI of our efforts, we wanna slip in here, right? You know, when people are about to buy and we can say we had a whatever percent, you know, return rate, but we're not doing anything to set ourselves up for success at that point. Or to keep that customer engaged after the sale and excited about our product. So
0: I think that's some of the negative impact that the the heyday of performance marketing has had. You know, like everything isn't measurable like a click and a purchase because everything is in an iPad that you buy online. So, you know, if you're not nurturing your audience and making friends with them and entertaining them and getting them to like your brand and prefer your brand then those short-term performance marketing actions start to degrade over time because you have nothing, you have no backstop, you have nothing to lean on, you have no loyalty, you're just a commodity. And you know you can push out more and more and more messages to try to get more and more and more clicks so that you can show more and more ROI. But it's eventually it's a losing game because brand – is what gets the job done.
1: Absolutely. And if you think about, you know, a pool of people who are interested in your product, if you have a hundred people in the pool, you know, only five of them maybe are ready to convert at any given time. Well, you'll slowly go through the people in that pool. And if you're not adding to it, if you're not, you know, creating demand and inspiring others to want your product, then your pool's going to dry up pretty quickly and then what about those people, yeah, after they've, they've bought your product or those that maybe decided now is not the right time, how do you keep them engaged for when it is?
0: I think that assumption that marketing is inserting yourself into the conversation when someone is ready to buy is such a huge mistake because everyone isn't ready to buy and people buy in really strange ways at really odd times and they come into, you know, buying decisions backwards and sideways And it's always emotional. So if you're not giving them something to remember and hold on to and, you know, connect with, for instance, story and your brand, then if they aren't ready to buy at that exact moment, which is luck, you know, or coincidence, then yeah, it's not sustainable.
1: I mean, can you imagine being in line, the checkout line at Target and someone (laughs) running up? I think you're interested in shoes. Here, buy these shoes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's exactly like that. You like shoes. I saw that you like shoes, buy these shoes. No, it's relentless too you know and yeah. it is a, it is the negative side effect of of performance marketing and digital marketing. and you know don't get me wrong, digital marketing, performance marketing are really powerful, but you got to realize that you have to do all the other stuff too around growing your brand and nurturing your audience for that to be part of your strategy, not your entire strategy.
1: Absolutely. I like that part of your strategy for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've seen it be someone's entire strategy a whole bunch. And then they reach out, want to work on their brand when they're in trouble. So whose turn is it to ask a question?
1: Um, I think yours.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, here's a good one. Um, What three things do you keep in your brand or marketing toolkit? That's a cool question. We got some really good questions from the audience.
1: It's a really good question. I think one of the first things that I would make sure is in my toolkit is something to make sure that I I am knowing my audience. So whether it's analytics that I can look at, you know, for web traffic and, and dig into that, whether it's conversations with my sales and customer service teams. Um, but I think having some sort of connection that's not, you know, six degrees away from your audience. Um, but, but a connection to your audience to make sure that you continually know who they are, what they care about and then, you know, how to speak to them, but also, you know, are there product changes or service changes that would better serve them and things like that? So, um, I think a, a connection to the audience would be the first thing I'd keep in my toolkit.
0: That's a good answer. Anne. That's a great answer. I think for me, I think if I was thinking of a brand toolkit and I didn't, I, I haven't thought of it that way, it's kind of a, just a cool construct. Um, I think my first tool that I would probably have in a brand toolkit is consistency, you know, like it's so undervalued and I don't mean just consistency in the how you put out messages or the amount of them or the frequency of them. I mean, consistency of behavior, consistency of messaging, consistency of tone and consistency of how kind your brand is or how generous it is, because how many times consistency of service? How many times have we, all of us, liked a brand, started to get interested in it, had an experience, and then we have a crap experience? And if we're not already pretty loyal to that brand, that one crap experience, we're out. Now, if we're loyal to the brand, we might give them another shot. you know. So we, we're we like, oh, we'll forgive that. And then they're inconsistent again where you get bad service so they don't deliver on their promise or X, Y, Z, best buy anyone. Um <laughs> And uh, I think that's probably one of the most undervalued things in a brand marketer's toolkit is consistency. And, you know, some of it does go into like customer service and offering and the tone of the brand. And it connects with marketing and marketing messaging because your marketing messaging can't overpromise so that you're constantly under delivering in the real world and it can't under promise because so it doesn't get any attention and it can't just come and go willy-nilly how often have you seen that like there's not enough messages to get anyone's attention because someone thinks that just one will do it you know so yeah i think that's that would be the thing in my toolkit
1: i agree i like that
0: i think i'd add let me add one other because i like this one patience you know
1: that's a good one
0: like if you're trying to grow a brand Like, and you, my, I think my answers are very brand related, obviously, but if you're trying to grow a brand, you better be really patient because you do not grow a brand overnight. You grow a brand through a connection of moments that the customer has with you and, Mm -hmm. and how they experience those moments is how the brand grows. And of course, all the decisions you make from a financial point of view, blah, 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 blah.
1: I think the only other thing I'd maybe add to, to piggyback off of yours would be having a marketing plan or roadmap. Um, because I think not only for your team to be able to execute from, but to be able to share with leadership and others in the organization, so that everyone knows you know, what products or services are marketed when, Um, they know what, when to expect things and you have time to actually get the work done. How many times if you had someone pop in your doorway, um, I want to market this and we need it next week. (laughs) It's just not, it's not feasible. Everything becomes a fire and it doesn't need to be. So I think a a really good roadmap is important.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's one of those things like, you know, you, you might take it for granted if you're used to using them. You know and w- w- i know we recommend roadmaps and use roadmaps for ourselves all the time but you know chaos will reign in your marketing if you don't have a tight plan you know and it has to be really well planned out and flexible at the same moment and i think that that's like yeah that's i'm so glad you mentioned that one because what a major tool in any marketers toolkit
1: yeah and we always like to to say that roadmaps are living documents you know, we don't carve them in stone. We often make them in Excel. Uh, so it's really easy to shift things around or, or add things or move things if, if need be. Um, but, yeah, it's it's really helpful so we don't end up in that land of chaos.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, priorities are going to shift. The market's going to shift. So you have to be ready. But, you know, if you don't start with a good plan, we all know what happens. You don't end up in a good place either. So, well, this was great. Thank you, everyone, for listening in to our sort of water cooler uh, brand and marketing talk today. Uh, We really love doing these break room episodes. And uh, Lindsay, do you have any parting words?
1: I would just say if you have questions you'd like us to answer in another episode, feel free to reach out to us or connect with us on LinkedIn um, and let us know. We're happy to answer other questions.
0: Yeah, we love these questions. So keep them coming, you guys. And thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Want to hear more inspiring stories? Subscribe on your preferred podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what we're doing, please rate, review, and share. It's the best way to support us. Thank you for listening to Brand Story.